0: Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Well, howdy, Faith Church. I'm glad you came to the real big game before the big game. Like, I'm glad you're here, right? It's great that we're all here together, hanging out. Today's gonna be a great day for lots of reasons. Glad that you're with us. I love this quote from President Roosevelt. He says, comparison is the thief of joy. I love this thought, because it just reminds me of how quickly I can lose joy when I look around. When I compare myself to the people around me, the joy that I have can easily just evaporate. So I'm gonna tell you something that might surprise you. Like, I go to the gym once in a while. I know, it doesn't look like that. Once in a while, and, and I go to the gym and I, and I pick up my eight pound dumbbells, right? And, I, and I'm really pushing the steel and I'm feeling great. I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm feeling great about myself. And then I look across the gym at this 60-year-old petite woman with 25-pound dumbbells. And I'm not exaggerating. I come home and tell my wife this. And I'm like, why even bother? Like, why even bother? I have these, and if I picked up the 25-pound, I wouldn't be able to w- move my arms for a month. And this little woman is, she's just cranking these 25. And it just makes me, in the moment, and again, I'm not exaggerating. Ask my wife about this. In the moment, I'm like, I don't care about physical fitness. I'm not lifting anything ever again. Give me a bag of Doritos. Like, just the diet is shot, the New Year's resolution. Because I'm happy with the eight-pounders until I see the petite 25-pounders on this woman. I'm like, what the heck? I'm so weak. I am nothing. I am so small, right? It's like comparison just kills everything, doesn't it? But it doesn't happen to you, right? So you're uh, having a great... Sunday. Everything's going well, and you're stupid enough to pick up your cell phone and scroll through social media, and you see somebody redid your living room, their living room. And you don't even have a living room. You don't even know what you do in a living room, but you're looking at this person's living room like, I need a living room, and we need to go get a new couch, and we got to paint the walls, and I need that kind of trim, and all this stuff, because you looked at, it's like you don't have a man cave. I don't have a man cave. I wish I had a man cave. You see somebody's new car, and your three-year-old car isn't good enough anymore. Right? You see somebody's vacation, and you're like, my vacation is better than their vacation, as if they care about your vacation, right? And it's like this whole idea of keeping up with one another, looking around, seeing what people do, seeing ourselves, comparing ourselves to someone else, and, and we do this all the time, and it just sucks the joy out of everything when we compare, We all struggle with this. And God understands this about us. Actually, in the beginning of the world, in his top 10 list of things not to do, he says, you shall not covet. What does that mean? What does the word covet mean? I mean, it's when you see something that someone else has and you desire what they have and you want it for yourself, that's coveting. And in God's top 10, he goes, don't do it. Because not only is it going to kill your joy, it's actually an offense before a holy God for us to want something that's not ours. So for me to see a petite woman and want her muscles (laughs) is, is sin. It's not only stealing my joy, it's offense to a holy God. To see someone else's possessions and want them for myself, to see someone else's abilities and want them for myself is a sin. It not only kills my joy, it offends God and it gets me stuck. And we all find ourselves doing this all the time, right? We're looking around and we're constantly sizing people up. Am I stronger or am I weaker? I mean, guys do this, right? Girls probably go, is she prettier or not prettier? Like, Right, we all do this. We're doing this comparison thing all the time. Smarter, weaker, stronger, richer, you know, all this stuff all the time. And it gets us stuck, and I think God has something better for us than this, right? And so today, Jesus is gonna interact with two sisters, two ladies from the same family, and I think he's gonna instruct us on how to deal with comparison. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And, and kind of wanted to just mention to you as we move into this part of our Sunday, that oftentimes as you're turning in your Bibles, I say to you, hey, let's pray. Not every day, not every Sunday, but it's a lot of Sundays I say, let's pray together. Why do I do that? I thought I'd explain that today. Because the gathering that you're in right now is unlike any gathering you're in in any other part of your week, right? And I'm not talking about faith church, I'm just talking about when brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ gather together in his name, he is here with us in a very unique way. Unlike any gathering you will have this afternoon or evening, Unlike any other place you go to where all kinds of voices happen, when brothers and sisters of Christ gather to open up his word together, God is here in a unique way to do what? To comfort us, to guide us, to convict us, to recalibrate us, to help us as his sons and daughters so that we can go back out into our weeks changed different. So today, actually, regardless of who's preaching or what songs or what the sermon is, has nothing to do with how good the sermon is, how great the songs are. It has nothing. It actually is all about you. How do you approach this moment? Are you here in body and not in soul? You just show up to church? Do you come expectant? Do you come eager? Do you want to hear from God? He wants to talk to you. Are you just going through the religious motions? Because if you're just going through the motions, it'll just be another gathering. But if you're hungry to hear from God, he wants to speak to his sons and daughters and encourage his sons and daughters. And so when I pray at the beginning of a sermon like this, it's often to get my heart recalibrated for our time together, and it's an opportunity for all of us to recalibrate our hearts, to say, God, we're hungry, we want you to feed us. So, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're great and mighty in all your ways. You're kind and gracious to us. And you know just how frail we are, how quick we are to compare ourselves to others. You've commanded us to not covet. We're quick to not obey. You get us, you love us, and you gathered us today in this specific moment of time to encourage us and to comfort us, to show us ways we can grow and change. You gathered us together for this purpose. So please help us, God, and be present here. And we give you our humble hearts and we ask you to remove all distractions. We open our hearts up to hear from you that your word would speak and that no voices of anything would distract, but yet the truth would be known by each of your sons and daughters. And if there's anybody here or listening online that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. They would come to know you today as... Lord and Savior, please, God, please do more than we can ask or imagine, and fly eagles fly. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Right? We can bring God everything. We can bring God everything. We bring him our full selves, and we ask him to help in every situation. Now, Luke chapter 10, we're introduced to this passage to two sisters. Martha is the older, and Mary is the younger, and they have a brother that's famous, named Lazarus. He's famous for, he was dead and Jesus rose him again from the dead. So you have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary is famous for being the person who anoints Jesus with perfume before he dies. And so you have this family, these three individuals, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Today, we're going to look at Mary and Martha, but they have this close relationship with Jesus and on his way to Jerusalem to be arrested and put to death, Jesus stops at their house, and this interaction takes place where we can discover something about freedom from comparison. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, on their way where? To Jesus being arrested and crucified. When they were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So get this scene in your mind, it's a dinner party. There's a famous rabbi named Jesus who's close family friends with the host of the party. Martha's the older sister and she's the consummate host right? And so likely this dinner party wasn't planned. It sort of just happened as Jesus is walking his way. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere alone, right? He rolls with an entourage of people. So imagine they show up at your house, and this is Jesus. Like, You know him, and you love him, and he's famous, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, and you want to put out a spread for him, and so Martha is super concerned about being hospitable and making sure everyone's taken care of. It's beautiful and reasonable for her to want to do that, and her sister Mary is sitting listening to Jesus, and I would imagine among two sisters, there was a lot of communication going on without a lot of saying anything right? So I would imagine that Martha is giving Mary the hairy eyeball. You know what that is? Like, she's like, I I mean, all kinds of sign language happening, right? At the dinner party, trying to say to her, like, really? I would imagine, I'm just using my imagination, at some point, she's sort of mouthing to Mary, like, Right? Like it's gotta be two sisters. And I would imagine at some point she's finding her way up to Mary to whisper to her, go get the chicken out of the Instapot. Like you, she's gotta be doing all the things that sisters would be doing with one another. Where one sister is working like crazy and another sister is listening and lazy and Martha's blood is boiling. And the huffing and the puffing and the sighing every time she comes into the room and seeing her sister just sitting there listening. Well, I've got all this work to do. You can almost hear it. And finally, she gets frustrated enough and she has a close enough relationship with Jesus to say to him in verse 40, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left everything for me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, right? It sort of boils out. And you talk about a moment where Martha is losing joy, right? She's comparing what she's doing to what Mary is choosing to do. And she's not able to see that she's choosing to be hospitable and serve food and Mary's choosing to listen and it's a choice. Instead, she makes a comparison and she moves from comparison to accusation. Did you notice? She accuses her sister and she accuses Jesus of doing something wrong. If Jesus could see what was really happening, he would speak up on her behalf and advocate for her, and Mary would immediately listen to Jesus. But Jesus clearly doesn't care, right? And this scene is helpful to me. It helps me to understand how comparison works for all of us, that comparison makes assumptions about other people. Comparison looks at another person and sees things and drums up stories of why what's happening is happening, and lots of assumptions about why Mary's doing what Mary's doing and why Jesus is doing what he's doing or not doing what he's not doing, lots of assumptions, and this is what happens to all of us when we look around. We draw all kinds of conclusions about what we see. All kinds of conclusions about why she's acting the way she's acting or why he's acting or how did they get to that point in their life and how can they afford that and why do I gotta do this and it's all this assuming, assuming, assuming motives and abilities and gifts and talents. Lots of assumptions going on in comparison without knowing or maybe knowing the facts but ignoring the facts. Martha's got herself all worked up. Lord, don't you care? Listen to Jesus' response. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And I I just noticed the gentleness of Jesus in this. Like even by using your name twice, he's, he's trying to say, I see you. I understand. You've gotten yourself worked up. You're pretty upset right now. And rather than the God of the universe powering up on her for not only accusing and making an assumption about her sister, but accusing God about what he's doing. Instead of powering up on her, he's so gentle to help recalibrate her. And instead of listening to Martha and going, you know what, yeah, I should probably correct her. Instead, he gently recalibrates Martha. He gently says to her, let me show you what's really going on. You want me to demonstrate that I care about you by correcting Mary. I'm gonna demonstrate that I care for you by correcting you. Mary's chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her, he says. And I think from this passage and many other passages of the Bible, we know this to be categorically true, that listening to Jesus, obeying Jesus, knowing Jesus's words, knowing Jesus's truth is the single greatest thing any of us can do any day, every day of the week, always and forever. Right, like hearing God's word, knowing God's word, what is true Listening to it, processing it, obeying it is the single most important thing for any of us always. It's why the refrain throughout the Bible is, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like this is just categorically true, that for Mary to choose to listen to the teaching of Jesus, prioritizing God's word over everything and anything, that'll never be taken away from her. Mary's making the better choice And I wanna pause for one second and point out something you might not initially recognize, that in Jesus's time, rabbis don't talk to women. In Jesus's time, rabbis don't talk to women, and certainly rabbis don't teach women in small settings like a dinner party. So for Jesus and Mary, what they're both doing is not normal or culturally acceptable. And you'd almost think in this moment that Jesus would be like, you know, Martha, you bring up a great point. A woman's place is in the kitchen, right? You think, well, in a patriarchal society, the Bible's so old school, of course Jesus is gonna say that. No, just the opposite. The Jesus that we worship walks into these settings, even though the culture screams this, Jesus does the exact opposite and teaches and loves and speaks to women who want to learn and grow. And in this demonstrates to us the partnership of men and women learning and serving and growing together side by side. And it would be so easy to look at this passage and think, sealing at Jesus' feet and learning is more important than serving. I mean some people make this jump. Right? Like what the point of the passage is is stop serving, start listening. Right? We think that's what's going like Mary's right and Martha's wrong. Yet I think it's so much Greater than that. Martha's problem is not that she's serving and Mary's listening. Her problem is that she's comparing herself. Her problem is she's making assumptions about Mary's motives. She's projecting herself. And this again teaches me something about comparison. Not only does it make a lot of assumptions, it projects my gifts and my experiences and my priorities on someone else. That so when I compare myself, when Martha compares herself to Mary. She's projecting her thoughts, her gifts, her personality on someone else. Clearly, listening to God is the most important thing for all of us to do 24 7. Jesus is not saying serving is bad and listening is good. That's not what he's saying at all. Among these two women who love Jesus, why are you projecting your gifts and talents and experiences and thoughts? on someone else because when you look at the life of Martha in the Bible, you see in every scene she shows up in, she has the gift of hospitality. She loves to serve. She loves to open her home. Mary may not have that gift, that personality. And in this way, it's like Jesus is going, Martha, you be Martha. And Mary, you be Mary. And that's what's most important. So, Joe, when you're lifting eight-pound weights, that's what you can handle. You be you. (laughs) Like, do it, right? Because doing this, you're going to not be able to move your arms for a week. That's not right. That's not good. See, multiple times you see there's a difference between Martha and Mary. And, boy, go do a study on the two women in the Bible, Martha and Mary. They're different people. They're wired differently, And we're all wired differently. All of us are wired differently. And so isn't it beautiful that we're different and we're made up with different relationships and different abilities and different experiences, different priorities, different way of seeing the world, different, different, different. It's the beauty of the body of Christ. And when we get ourselves sideways, comparing ourselves to other people, projecting what we think and how we feel and how we see the world and how we experience things and how we learn and how we grow, projecting that other people, it gets us sideways. Jesus doesn't say, Martha, you're wrong to serve. Mary is right to listen. Martha, you should be more like Mary. That's not, we think that's what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. Jesus has space for us to bring our full selves to him. Why is it that we don't have space for that? Jesus welcomes Martha for being Martha and Mary for being Mary and saying to both these living, of course, always listening to God's word is the most important thing, but you're a servant and a hospitality person. Be that. You might, like Mary might just be a person that loves studying and learning. Great, be a person that's studying learning. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, Mary chose the better thing because you're wrong, Martha, He says, no, in this situation, Mary chose what is better. Better because getting frantic about the details and getting yourself worked up with all that energy? That's not right. Better because Mary's being true to herself and to her experience, and maybe better because Mary needs something from Jesus in that moment that Martha doesn't need, and it's okay. Better for who knows why, but Jesus teaches us that there is a time for us to see that we're all different, And this doesn't mean that everything's relative, what's good for you is good for me, but just two brothers and sisters in Christ side by side, two sisters in Christ side by side are gonna approach things differently and why are you comparing each other? It's it's bigger than this, Jesus says. I think as humans, this helps me, I'm not sure if it helps you. As humans, I think we tend to boil things down to make everything good or bad. It's like everything's good or bad, so my job is good or bad. My bank account's good or bad. My car is good or bad. You're good or bad, right? It's good or bad. Good or bad. Uh, I'm strong or I'm weak. That 60-year-old with 20—she's strong. I'm weak, right? It's—it's as simple. Like, what happens if there's a better way than this? That this actually kind of thinking puts us in a framework of constantly comparing. Because I'm looking around and I'm going, is she better or worse? Is she stronger or weaker? Is he better or worse? Is he, it's all, and if that's the way to look at the world, it just almost fuels comparison. I wonder if there's a, a, a different way, a better way of looking at things. I wonder if we can look at sort of making decisions and stop looking at each other and walking with Jesus and seeing that life is a series of decisions that's about sin, it's about what's good, and it's about what's best. So like just broaden your mind for a moment and go, well, maybe what's the better way? So in every situation, if I'm able to look at things and go, there's a better way at every crossroad. Every every situation I find myself in, there's a better way. And I don't have to look around for this to be true. I can look at myself and go, you know what? In every situation, I can make a sinful choice. In every situation, I can make a good choice. In every situation, I can make the best choice that there are sinful opportunities, there are good opportunities, and there are the best opportunities. That rather than looking around, that I could choose a better way by simply going, you know, this morning I chose to look at something I shouldn't, and I let that live, and I did it today and tomorrow, and the rest of the week, I decided to look lustfully at something. What's the better way? The better way is to see myself in that moment of sin and say, stop it, Joe. Ask God to forgive you and change. That's the better way. You know, sometimes when we get ourselves caught in sin, we can't even think about good things or better things or best things. We just can think about, I I gotta stop sinning. And maybe the better way is just saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. In this situation, I just wanna choose not to sin. There's times and seasons in my life where I stop, I'm, I'm, I'm not really struggling with sin that much, it's not that big of a deal, where I can look for good opportunities or make good decisions. That when I look at someone else, they might be dealing with something sinful, but I'm not dealing with that, so I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to look at my situation, and my situation is i got to make a good decision right now. There's got to be something good, and the better way for me is something good. There are times when I can have opportunities to make the best decisions, but you know, if I live my life going, i got to make the best decision, i got to make the best decision, i got to make the best decision. That paralyzes me and makes me look around and go, I'm comparing to that person who's always making the best decisions. That person's always making the, or I'm comparing to that person. That person's always sinful. Look at that person. They're always sinning. They're always falling short. They're always making mistakes. What happens if I could just look at my life and my decisions and my journey with Jesus and walk with Jesus and go, in this situation, the best thing I can do is not sin. So that might be my focus for today. Because this morning I botched it, but I'm not gonna get stuck there. I'm gonna say, I botched it this morning, but God forgive me, the better way for this afternoon is I'm gonna stop sinning, and I'm gonna confess my sins to God, and I'm gonna be different. might be today, it's not about that. It's, there's a good opportunity in front of me. and I, the, What's good might be the best thing I can do today in my parenting, or in my job, or in my painting, right? Like sometimes I'm painting a wall and I can only do a good job. It's okay. That's the better thing to do. Do a good job. Don't do a sinful job. I don't know what that looks like, but don't do a sinful job. Like, don't just throw it on the wall. Maybe it's, okay, there's times where I can do the best job, and circumstances and situations change, but when we get stuck into thinking good, bad, right, wrong, sin, not sin, we get stuck, and we start looking around and comparing instead of going, no, I'm gonna choose the better way. I'm gonna choose not to sin today. That's the better way. I'm gonna to choose to make a good decision, to seek the good opportunity. Maybe I'm gonna be in a situation where I can choose the best. It's a journey, and boy, do I jump back and forth in my life across all of those things, sometimes in a single day. But that's what keeps me from looking around and comparing myself to you. So as I think about breaking some of these habits for me, I have to choose to stop making assumptions. It's like, stop looking around and making assumptions about why someone acts the way they're acting, why they're doing what they're doing. I'm gonna choose to stop that. I'm gonna stop projecting myself on other people. My story and your story, my gifts and your gifts, my situation and your situation, my family and your family, my money and your money are different. And so I'm gonna stop that, and I'm gonna choose to start Doing the better thing in each moment. What's the better thing that I could do? What is it? I'm gonna look at every situation and the journey that I'm on, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do what's better in this situation. But all these words, stop, stop, start. Sometimes I get tempted not to use those words with you because like any of us can do that. Hey, here's your problem. You compare yourself. You project your personality and gifts on other people. Quit it. I mean, you might have heard me say that recently. Just quit it, stop it. Raise your hand if you can do that. Oh, you liars. (laughs) Like, you can do it for a minute, right? Like, I can say to you, stop thinking about a purple dinosaur, right? Like, you can do it for a half a second, and then you start, but I need Jesus's help for this. Jesus, help me. So when I say to you, stop something, please hear in this the invitation that with Jesus's help, you can stop. You can stop making assumptions about other people. With Jesus' help, you can stop projecting your skills and abilities on someone else. With Jesus' help, you can start doing the better thing at every crossroad, whatever that means, wherever you are. With Jesus' help, these things can happen. So let me tell you a real story of how this all works out in my life uh, just recently. So this past week, I had the opportunity to visit my friend in Florida. I know, suffering. I had, I had a chance to visit a friend And he attends a mega, mega church, like massive church with tens of thousands of people. They're so big that they have a Thursday night service. And when I showed up at the service on Thursday night this past week, there were like 3,000 people on a Thursday night service. And boy, did I have a hard time comparing. I'm like, look at this building. Their worship band was incredible the amount of people and how engaged. And in that moment, I'm just comparing and going, our church sucks. (laughs) I mean, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but that it's like I'm in this moment, and I'm visiting this church, and it's a Thursday night, and and I'm Joe from Jersey, and I am so thankful for our church. And then I go to this church, and immediately I feel like the eight-pound dumbbell guy again. Look at us, we're so pathetic here in Allentown. And in this moment, it's just this choice that I have, this choice to say, because here's what I start to do. I start to make all kinds of assumptions about who these people are, right? I start to make assumptions like, well, it's the South, and of course there's lots of people that follow Jesus in the South, but we live in the North, right? And it's cold up in the North, and nobody wants to follow Jesus in the North. All kinds of assumptions, right? Right? Right, And I start projecting. Like I'm sitting there going, this, is, this place is massive. It's incredible. And I start thinking to myself, well, I wouldn't do that. I would do that better. Well, I'm a better leader than that. Really? Like I mean, all these things are going through my head. And of course, I make the assumption, well, this preacher is going to be terrible. He's going to water down all the gospel. He's going to teach false doctrine. Right, And it's like all these things are going through my mind. And I'm 12 minutes into the service. And all I'm doing is comparing. And God in his grace grabbed my heart and said, would you quit it? Stop it, Joe. It's like, can you be here in this moment? Can you be in this moment and receive and stop the comparison? Stop making assumptions about who this church is and who they're not. Stop projecting your thoughts and thinking. Can you actually just... Recognize it's Thursday night in the middle of February, and you're side by side with a very close friend where God wants you to worship Him and hear His word taught and have your tank filled so that you can go back to Allentown to give something away. But in that moment, I have a choice. I can stop and start with God's help, or I can let those things continue to run and compare myself compare our church, and and it's like, no, quit it, Joe, quit it, and with his help, I can do that, and here's here's the deal. The Bible, in every situation, will teach the better way. The Bible is going to teach the better way, and so as I look at this and process this in my own life and how this comparison thing works for me just the same as it works for you, the Bible is this incredible book that God has given to us by the Spirit's power, that synchronizes with the spirit that's alive in your heart to teach you and to guide you. And the Bible lays out some black and white truths about how to think and how to act, how to see the world and how to process life and how to make decisions. And we don't wanna hear the truth so many times, but then we're content to be stuck in it and we complain that we're stuck in our own prison, but God has given us truth about how to treat people, how to treat our spouses, how to see the world, how to treat the people that are our enemies, how to live and act and think, how coveting is a sin and it will kill you. But we choose to disregard that when God's given us a blueprint of how to act and how to think in his word. And if we would just apply it to our lives with his help, we could stop certain behavior and start other things that would give us new life. Because one of the reasons we're doing this series, honestly, is I just love John 8. I'm gonna get a tattoo of this on on me that if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciple. I, I don't know where you are today, but this word disciple, someone who follows Jesus, More than anything else in the world, I want to follow Jesus. I'm 46 years old. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a leader. I got all kinds of stuff going on in my life, just like you. More than anything I want, I want to follow Jesus. I don't wanna follow a sports team as much as I wanna follow Jesus. I don't wanna follow a political party as much as I wanna follow Jesus. I don't wanna follow conspiracy theories as much as I wanna follow Jesus. I don't wanna follow my flesh and my feelings as much as I wanna follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Because when I follow Jesus, that's when I'm set free. And I wanna be free. I'm tired of comparing. I'm tired of looking around at other people and saying, I wish I was like that pastor. I wish I was like that husband. I'm a better husband than that guy. That guy's a dirtbag. Look at how good I am. Like, that's exhausting. I'm tired of following all kinds of thoughts and comparing myself to all kinds of people. It's exhausting. I want to follow Jesus. Because when I follow Jesus, I'm set free. And it's sort of reverse psychology, But like the truth of the Bible will set you free. Here's what's incredible with the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell you everything in every situation. Right? The Bible is crystal clear about a lot of stuff, but there's situations the Bible doesn't speak about. Like the Bible doesn't speak about, I don't know, lots of things, I won't get into examples. Doesn't, but the Bible, where the Bible speaks, I'm to listen and to obey. The Bible's written by the Holy Spirit. Where the Bible speaks, I'm to listen and obey. The Spirit of God is inside every believer. So where the Bible is silent, we have the option to say to the Spirit of God, show me the truth about how to apply this to this situation that I'm in right now. And when I apply the truth of the Spirit, it may look different than my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's okay. Where the Bible is crystal clear, we'll all march to the same drum. Where the Bible isn't crystal clear, the Spirit of God is gonna guide each one of us into doing how, living out how we do this together. Where the Bible is silent, the Spirit is not. And we can listen and follow him, but it's going to look different Brother to brother, sister to sister, stop comparing. Listen to the spirit, walk with him, and hold on tight to your Bible. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the opportunity to learn from Mary and Martha. Thank you that you're the God who speaks to women and men and that you don't pigeonhole any of us, that all of us have gifts and talents and abilities. That you want us to partner together and not compare? That when we start to project our story and gifts on other people, it's a path to being in prison. And when we assume something about someone else, it's a pathway to prison. But when instead we look to you and choose not to sin when we choose good things some moments and some moments we choose better things that in the journey of life it's all a bunch of choices where we can choose the better way at each moment and progressively we're transformed into the image of Jesus Lord as sons and daughters of yours please help us to learn to be content with who you've made us to be and help us to become the best version